This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. Sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert. All hands to battle stations. Engage. Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. We are dangerous.
Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 57. This is the Next Generation episode. I am Chris Honeywell and I'm here with Scott Gardner. How the hell can they call it booby trap and there's no tits in it? There are, they're just covered up. Uh, hi, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know you were gypped. I was thinking that's one of my notes is Scott gets gypped on this episode. <laughs> Scott gets gypped on a lot of episodes. The closest, you, the closest it seems you're going to come to seeing boobies is maybe Guinan and, uh, you know, uh, they're not lining up for that. Uh, Although I would. For Guinan? I would, I would do it out of, out of sheer... Well, no, for Whoopi Goldberg, Guinan's not famous. <laughs> but Whoopi Goldberg, yes, just to say I had. All right, Ted Just dancing. to pull it out at parties. Yeah, I would pull, totally pull a dancing. <laughs> I saw him on something the other day. I forget what it was. The View or some stupid thing that was Did on. Just as was I was thinking. <laughs> no, but uh, man, he looks like he's like 115 years old, man. He looks bad. Isn't he married? He's married to Mary Steenburgen now, I think isn't so, he? But she's also she also sort of went the like prune route, you know, the raisin yeah. route. They both look yeah. they both look really wrinkly. I suspect she's batshit crazy in real life. Maybe, too. yeah, maybe. She, she's always acted a little kooky to me. She always reminded me of the kind of ladies my dad dated. <laughs> His dad dating days. Dad dating. A little flaky around the edges. Uh, so yes, welcome to the Next Generation edition. We're going to be looking at an episode from the third season called Booby Trap. Do we have any sort of preamble, anything on this one? No, I got, as I said in the last episode, I got, I've just been, I've been, I've been busy, 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 and none of it's been Star Trek, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel you. By the way, I don't know if we mention this very often on this particular show, but we do do two Star Trek shows every month. We do um, this one, of course, the next gen, and we do TOS. And I know you know a lot of fans love both and that sort of thing, but if you're not one of those particular fans, just know that we do the uh, TOS one as well, the original series, and uh, go check that one out as well. If you enjoy this, even if you're not a classic Trek fan, you'll probably find something over there to enjoy and... Uh, I'm particularly proud of this month's episode because I laughed my ass off through it. I thought we had a, a lot yeah. of fun just, just, you know, cutting up. So Well, I think we're going to have a, a bit of um, opportunity for humor with this one, Oh, too. yes. This uh, one lends itself very well to humor, I Speaking think. of humor, I just want to say it. I'm not making any promises, but as soon as I get a spare 15 minutes to a half an hour here and there, there'll probably be a third Star Trek show covering the yeah, limited series covering the, anima the animated series ah. Hero and I have a secret little project where we want to bite that off cool and I know if I say it on the air <laughs> it makes it that much there you go or liable to become a reality and that's one I've really wanted to do for a long time well let me just make a mention right off the bat that if you sons of bitches leave me out of the one where Spock goes back in time to himself as a as a kid, I, I I'm we're done professionally. No, you're in that we'll, we'll, you know, we'll go through the list of all of the episodes and find out which ones you want to be on. I mean that's that's honestly short, that's the only one I really show, so we could do a handful of the Scott Gardner episodes possibly, <laughs> you know, to to right. get ones that you like in there. 
I mean, I would be down for watching all of them because, again, I, I, I hate to time. admit this. I'm not sure that I have. Well, you know, I'm not must sure have, I have either. I must have two over the years, but I, I must have because, you know, several years ago, it's, it's been a long time now. And I'm, I'm put it this way. There's some that are more memorable than the other one. Exactly. There's some that are like stand out Star Trek stories and other ones that are like. A, you know, a, a kitty cartoon show. Right. I mean, I did a complete watch through of Star Trek a couple years back, and I've had them on uh, DVDs since they came out on DVD, so I'm sure I must have watched them. It's just like you say, you know, there's there's only particular ones that stand out, but of all of them, the only one I ever really thought that, that was truly of the same caliber as the original series was... Damn it! What is the name of that episode? I'm trying to. Yesteryear. I'm my brain. I know Yesteryear. Montana wrote uh, it. The yeah. name of the show is Yesteryear. Of of that makes me nuts. Which I really like. Jesus, are you stupid? Yesteryear. Yesteryear. For, no, not that time. Uh, that was the book. I want to think of I keep thinking of. You know nothing about Star Trek. Yeah. Right now, nothing. As in the last episode. <laughs> Yesteryear. Just like. Yesteryear. Smashing through the windshield of their car. This is what happens when you get old, folks. Tipping their desk over at work. <laughs> All the other co-workers have stopped typing and are looking over while you're panting and chanting the name of a Star Trek animated exactly. show yep. over and over again. Yep. It looks like the first 15 minutes of Dawn of the Dead. Exactly. Whipping action figures around the office. <laughs> I know how it goes. God damn it. What is the I know how you people are. Oh, it's making me crazy because it was a Viewmaster as well. Don't make me. Oh my God, I'm going to have to open up a browser. It's making me I nuts. Hate anyway, you do that. I'll give the synopsis. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, the Enterprise is caught in an alien death trap and there's no way out. We should be going like a bat out of hell. Engines aren't responding, Captain. Geordi fights impossible odds to save the crew from disaster. Somehow we have to generate enough energy to get out of here. But are they helpless against destruction? Shields up. Reverse course, full impulse power. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. So, <laughs> next gen, booby trap. All right, so the Enterprise passes through a debris field created in the final confrontation of a terrible war. In it, the Menthars, which sounds like a... Like a filtered cigarette, doesn't it? The Menthars and the Promelians fought to their mutual extinction over a thousand years ago. After responding to a distress signal, the Enterprise encounters a mint-conditioned Promelian battlecruiser in the box from that old war. Suddenly, the Enterprise begins losing energy. Because the Enterprise is always losing energy, right? Yes, uh, year. Yesteryear, yes. Damn it! Why couldn't I? I'm think sorry, of that? I didn't mean to cut in, no, but I figured no, I'd no. I'd get that out of your brain. No, I right appreciate away. it because it was affecting the uh, the quality yes. of my synopsizing here. So thank you. Yes, yesteryear. How the hell did I forget? That? I know. Thrilling days of yesteryear should have the Lone Ranger in that episode. That would <laughs> Turn be awesome. Us now. All right. So uh, Enterprise losing energy. Blah blah blah. A high-intensity field of radiation surrounds the ship. Both impulse and warp engines fail to move the ship. The Enterprise is caught in the same booby trap that imprisoned the other ship and killed all its crew members. While Riker and Data 
Try to understand how the trap functions LaForge works to increase power output. In the process, he uses a holodeck generated, uh, to generate the original prototypes of the engine and a representation of one of the engineers on the design team, Dr. Leia Brahms. A short time later, the crew determines that at least 100,000 aceton... Was it aceton? I don't know. That's what it looks like here. Aceton yeah, is... Whatever. Lie hidden in the debris field. These machines can draw energy from distant sources. Evidently, they have been modified to redirect that energy as lethal radiation. Every time the Enterprise increases energy to leave the area, the assimilators increase their output and counteract the propulsion. Soon the shields will fail due to lack of energy. 26 minutes later, everyone on the Enterprise will be dead. Yeah, sure. In the end, LaForge determines only two possible solutions. Possibly the computer can fly them out, or the other option is to shut everything down except two thrusters, which is the solution that I came up with about ten minutes into the crisis. Just want to say, with one final blast from the impulse engines, they might be able to creep their way to safety. Picard chooses the second option and flies the Enterprise out of danger. And that's Booby Trap. So what do you think of this one? I thought that synopsis was sorely lacking. <laughs> hey, it's it, not mine. It did, Blame, no, uh, I know, I know. But it Phil neglected Farron, to, to really get to the what this episode was about. And it was about Jordy. It was basically another holodeck episode about Jordy LaForge connecting with the woman who designed, you know, the, the engines of the, the Enterprise. Right. It was basically the Enterprise and Jordy being a super friend zone type guy. Where, <laughs> you know, and and finally starting to develop a romance with a simulation he's got on the holodeck. I mean, he makes out with her at the end. Yep. Which they don't even mention that, you know. He's sort of like, he kind of like in the heat of danger like is like can you give me some of the energy back so i can get my girlfriend back because <laughs> right talk to me for more than five minutes what i want to know is he's in charge right mm-hmm. what the hell's the rest of his team doing to to help with this crisis while he's no, screwing around in the... while he's making time <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well, my first thought with this when it opens to that first scene was, uh, wait, Jordy likes girls? <laughs> That's not what I heard. But then my second but, thought was, having, ha- you know, having of course, seen the entire run of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, um, seriously, he, he only seems to like white girls, too, I noticed. Which, you know, hey, that's fine, but it's just, was that still... You know, at that time when this was coming out, that was a little daring for TV, yeah, wasn't it? I don't it? know. I don't know about I not at that point, especially no? Lavar Burton because he's so non-threatening. <laughs> he kept getting friend zoned, and anyway, you know, he was right. not some like Mandingo where they were like, oh, my God, <laughs> throw. He was striking out. As a matter, but uh, actually, though, the the one person that he's actual person, physical person being that he's making any kind of time with his Guinan in this. Right. And Guinan seems to come on to everybody, though. It's if you get her alone and start talking to you, she wants to start, you know, 
<laughs> I mean, on the TV show, it's always just like romantic talk, but you know it probably gets dirty, dirty as time goes on. <laughs> but we'll we'll have to point it out if it ever happens. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Jordy ever gets laid in the entire course of this series. <laughs> Everybody else does multiple times, even <laughs> Wesley. He's but... a stand-in for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> I'm serious, man. If I was serving on a ship with Wesley Crusher and he got some before I did, I, that would be it. I, I'd come on, with like... the whole holodeck, everybody should get some. There should be a whole understanding with the whole crew that what happens in the holodeck stays in the holodeck. <laughs> I mean, really, all the other, all the other top. You know, officers of the Enterprise have had their little flings on the holodeck. Kirk and Picard have. And if I recall. Riker, you mean? Or you mean Riker? Kirk. Yeah, Riker and Picard <laughs> had their little romances. Can you imagine if Kirk had a had a If Kirk holodeck? had a holodeck, he would be the most absentee captain all the time. Just here as close to an intercom, and he'd be breathing heavy most of the time. What? Damn it, Spock, what? It better be a red alert. That's all I'm saying right now. Wait, wait, wait. It better be a red alert. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Leia Brahms? Because I will be honest, I used to have the hots for this chick. She's cute in that 80s. She, in the 80s way, yes. 80s, man. They have that like little house on the prairie hair, per, but it's permed, you know? <laughs> Yeah, she was, looks like the school marm or something. Yeah, yeah, it was the weird 80s good girl look, you know, pretty good girl look, where it yep. was like, no... Dirty librarian, yes. Yeah, yeah, but not even dirty, just like, yeah, it was just something very, very, very 80s about that about her, but yeah, she was, she was kind of a hottie, and... Uh, no, she. What I mean by that is like you know, yeah, all sweet and innocent looking, but you can tell with those little winks and smiles that she gives that deep down, deep down, she's a dirty, dirty. Oh, mood. she gives. She would give Jordy the deep space nine. That's for sure. <laughs> space sixty nine, which I'm sure has been a movie. <laughs> or the deep space nine inches. Either one of those has had to have been a porno movie by now. Right? Am I right? Hey, am I right, everybody? I need uh, hang on, I'm gonna Google that. <laughs> now, you know what? I'll wait till later to do that. <laughs> wait till the kids are in bed. <laughs> oh Jesus, I don't even know where to go. Idol, you know. It's it's just has to have happened. Uh, now I can't even take any of the rest of my notes seriously on this the one. Music on this episode was a little cheesy around the edges. Yeah. And they kept, it would like sort of come up and I was like, this music is kind of cheap. It's supposed to be tension music, but it's a little cheesy and cheery at the same time. Yeah, it's a little like tinkle, tinkly tink. I, for, I failed to see who it was that scored this one, but yeah. See, that's the thing is, you know, those box sets came out not long ago for Star Trek music. And they're split up by composers, it seems yeah. like, though. 
Well, you know, the, the one came out for TOS and the world lost its mind. And the one came out for next gen and I, I have it. And I'm like, I think I gave it one like half-hearted listen to. And I'm like, eh, it's good. Just background music. And exactly. it has hints of old Star Trek in it, but it doesn't have the personality that old Star Trek music. It has a different personality and it yeah. works in the context of the show but this one didn't really work and as soon as i noticed i'm like this is kind of tinkly i noticed the music went real right down in the mix and i bet you somebody was editing it going like let's just pull this down a little bit so you just hear the (laughs) bass elements of it and it has more tension because it was kind of loungy and happy Mm -hmm. everybody's running around on on alert my first thought in this crisis, until it was pointed out that they were actually under a, a time crunch mm-hmm. before they were going to die, was why not just hail another ship and have them come in and tow you out? But then it turned out they were under a time crunch. So that was actually pretty clever of the writer or writers to think of that fact that, hey, there are actually are ways to get out of this situation. So let's make it where they don't have time to call for help kind of thing. And all Troy gets to do in this one is leech off Picard's happiness. I like I like that scene too, actually. But, you know, it's still kind of creepy. But I liked it because she was just like, wow, he is pumped. And she was she was trying to contain herself, which I don't know if that was her trying to act professionally on the bridge because he saw her smiling or if she was channeling him doing his Picard like. I'm a giddy little child, must be the captain now, you know? Right. But you could see her sort of, like, sobering up behind, like, smiling, like, this big, genuine smile, and then, like, trying to wipe the grin off her face. I like that moment for for two big reasons. For one, I agree with her. It was really nice to see that side of him because, for once, he wasn't being a stodgy old bastard, you know? And he wasn't being Mr. Grumpasaur. He was just, you know, he was having a good time. Grandpa, like, who remembers shipping a bottle? Anybody remembers shipping a (laughs) bottle? Exactly. But also... You know, this is more the Picard that I know and love, Mm -hmm. you know, because he did, of course, mellow over time. And and this was a good, like, mellow Picard episode. He wasn't, you know, all stodgy and stiff and all that sort of thing. Although, once again, you know, just when I was really feeling it with this episode and thinking, hey, I really dig this one. and, And especially the way Picard is. Then he does that thing that irritates the shit out of me so bad where crisis is upon us we're under a a time constraint everybody's gonna die in 20 minutes and what does he do he goes and he pouts uh, in the whatever the hell they call the the consultation Mm -hmm. room or whatever in the dark and then when everybody else comes in and they're talking to him then he you know he approaches us as the viewer like walks away from everybody else to have his little moment of you know, he's just kind of hamming it up, and I'm thinking, dude, clock's ticking. Everybody's going to die. What the Tick hell clock, is the yeah. delay here? I mean, he really does screw around right up to the very last minute. And then when he finally does make a decision, and he's at the helm and using the thrusters and all that, which, like I said, you know, granted, I've seen the episode before, but it had been a long time. I mean, I thought of that right away. Okay, if your power of your ship is feeding the thing that's killing you, Turn the ship off. And they have thrusters. I mean, spaceships have had thrusters since Gemini. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that's how they work, you know? 
So you turn all the power off and you just use actual air thrusters and you're good to go, right? So that is eventually anyway what they decide to do. So, you know, he's doing that and I completely lost my train of thought. I don't know what the hell I was going on about now. I don't know. It'll come back Picard to me. Picard is a man of action. Yeah. An adventure. That's, that's what it was. So he finally makes a decision and that's what he's doing. Well, by that point, he's screwed around so long that Riker actually has to turn off the warning thing saying, you know, by the way, in you know, 20 more seconds, you're all sterile, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what the hell? Why did it take him so long to, to do, you know, the minute that LaForge said, hey, hey, I can get us out of this thing, you would think, okay, he jumps on it, right? But yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. It, oh, it's just, it's maddening when, it, when they behave that way. He's just say since he went, you have one hour to give me an answer on how he <laughs> right. this. And then they give him an answer, and he's like, nah, I'm going to th- think about that. Yeah, let me let me ponder this for uh, Thanks for being on time, uh, but <laughs> it was still got minutes left to this episode. So, Well, just to give you something else for your head to hurt about, uh, I caught a little snippet of dialogue where it, it's in the scene where... Uh, Jordy is arguing with uh, holodeck Leia Brahms there, and he says, "You know, this isn't a you know the, a prototype. You know, this isn't a brand new thing. This is an actual working thing with tens of thousands of light years on it." And I'm thinking, "Is that right? I I don't know. Does that add up? I don't know if that's low or high to tell you the truth. Yeah, I would- see, I." I'm thrown off by the light years thing because they don't seem to use any sort of consistency or any sort of like consistent scale so far as I'm able to determine. Because when it comes to that, I always default back to Voyager because in Voyager they specifically mention like how far away they were from home and how long it was going to take them to get back. And it was going to be a lifetime essentially. So... Jordy saying tens of thousands of light years makes me think that's a lot of time that they've spent out there flying around zipping around. You know, tens of thousands, you would think, equates to a a good number of years. And they've only been out there three. The ship was yeah. brand spanking new right off of the sales lot in the first episode. Yep. So I don't think that quite adds up. I don't know, maybe somebody else can shed some light on that. But it didn't quite work for me. Um, also I was thinking during this crisis now granted this would come along way 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 later but in first contact because that was kind of on my brain today they abandoned ship at one point you know the whole crew abandoned ship and they had little life pod looking things and those looked to me like they were thruster controlled as well so if worse came to worse couldn't they just use the life pod you know the lifeboats to get away yeah, still... but, uh, yeah, but you know, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't want to drop the, but yeah, you, to save everybody's lives, yeah. I don't know. I was trying to think of like, what are what are some ways that you could get out of this situation other than the one that they the, ended up using? You the, know, what else could they have done? The the lifeboats might not have had as good a shielding as the ship, and you might have just been crispy crittered if you went out in the lifeboat. You know, instead of being in the, you know, thickly coated Enterprise. Right. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, plus at the end of the the thing, you know, Picard orders Worf to to fire photons and blow everything up so it can't menace anybody else. So could they have done that while they were the ones that were stuck in there endangered? Or would that feed the thing that was killing them that much more and just kill them instantly? Yeah, I thought they just wanted to get rid of the ship so nobody else would um, explore it. But instead, what you should do is just put a beacon there with a warning on it saying, don't go in here, there's these kind of things and they'll leech your power. Right. And then sit at the edge of it and you could beam over to the ship to explore it and, and put scientists in it to study it and stuff. Well, plus, you if figured this out ship, how to shut these things down. If that ship was so important, you know, historically, and it was a relic and all that sort of thing that, you know, Picard was so excited about, you would think that they'd find a way to tow that thing out of there because it wasn't the ship that was killing them. It was all those yeah traps could, that were around it. You could beam over to that ship, tie a tether around its neck, <laughs> throw the tether across space because there's you know inert you know once you send something going in space, you mm-hmm. know till it's out of range of those things, grab that sucker and drag it like it was on a rope, you know, right yep. out of there. So, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, but it's not as dramatic as uh, an end, you know, <laughs> as that is. And, you know, you get this, you know, Picard has to destroy the thing that he was really into. <laughs> I like uh, the moment where Picard was in his uh, ready room and Riker comes to see him because the lighting was very low and very subdued in that. It kind of reminded me of some of the scenes in Generations when they were hanging outside the space station there, and it was supposed to be like ship's nighttime. Yeah. Because you'd never really seen that before, and they were doing it movie lighting. Yeah, yeah, very much so. They were doing it specifically in that movie because it was a movie and they could do dramatic lighting, but we got to see a little taste of it in this episode, and that was kind of neat. Well, not to spoil anything, but uh, what's her name? Leia Brahms, the real Leia Brahms, will uh, return, will show up again in this show. So we have that to look forward to. That's actually a really good episode, too, where the the real person shows up on the ship. And I'm sure it won't be creepy at all when when Cody <laughs> tells her how they made out he made there out the go. computer simulation of her. I'm sure that she that I'm sure that will turn her right on. That may come up. (laughs) (laughs) So to speak. And uh, I just learned this today. Apparently she was one of the ones that was in the running to possibly play Janeway in uh, in Voyager, which could have been very interesting. For you, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I like Janeway too, so. Yeah. But I mean, I like Janeway character wise. I never found her you know physically attractive really whereas this one i i don't know what the actress's name is but yeah she she kind of does it for me shoulder pads and everything oh yeah that's right the shoulder pads are make it even (laughs) exponentially more 80s but no she's cute she uh yeah she's just i don't know like you say that that 80s thing going on 80s space hottie yep but no, I like this episode. I've always been a fan of this one. I've always thought that this is uh, a really, really good episode. It's got some really good pieces of dialogue. Everybody gets a little moment in it. And uh, even uh, even Wesley's not just, half bad in this yeah, one. Although just I get that I one the... scene with Data, that's it. You know, to, to so Everybody gets their little scene. But yeah, luckily the Wesley scene and the Troy scene are just little tidbits. And they're both good. See, again... Picard misses a prime opportunity right here because 
I would have at least tried launching Wesley at the booby trap. Just, you know, what the sure. hell? Sure. Wouldn't work, but there you go. Convert him to radiation? Why not? Yep. <laughs> Works for me. Let's see. What have we got coming up here? I don't remember the name of the next episode, so let's check the book. We got... The Enemy. I don't remember this one. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, God. I don't know if this is... I, well, I say that not really remembering if the episode is any good, to be honest with you, but it, this is, this is to me, this is a cliche. This is one of those things where, um, again, you know, it's, a, it's also another uh, LaForge episode, so we got two in a row with LaForge here. It's one of those episodes where, you know, two different sides wind up, you know, in a condition where they've got to work together or they're going to die type of thing. And mm -hmm. come on, how many times have we seen that? I mean, there was Enemy Mine and all these different stories and uh, numerous was, original series episodes. Yeah, yeah the Dove. Yep, yeah, exactly. So, but like I say, I can't remember if it's actually any good or not. I just know that it's it's uh, Jordy and a Romulan are stuck. They're they're. I think they're dying. I think it's another radiation thing, if I'm not mistaken. Radiation. They're stuck on a planet and they got to work together or they're gonna croak. So. Yeah, we'll see. I like I say, I can't remember if it's any good or not. But. Betting they don't. <laughs> Got five bucks riding on that one. <laughs> Fifteen quatlos that Jordy LaForge lives. <laughs> you got anything else on this one? No, not really. Just oh, that I enjoyed God. laughing at Jordy's ineptness with women, and the, <laughs> uh, you know, even in the future, and the and. And the lame advice, which is just be yourself, and you don't even—he doesn't even learn that lesson because when he's—he's he's not like being himself with, with the simulation. They—they're in crisis mode, problem solving. There's no hanging out or anything. So, <laughs> whatever. No lesson learned. It's be your, be yourself. You learn more Unless in an episode of Fat Albert, man. <laughs> Unless you can be Kirk, then be Kirk. I'd love to hear Picard just be like, and if you're not careful, you might learn something before it's done. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com 
where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, Soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.